watch a lot of these like shitty gay movies. I think like <laughs> TSA is like the company that like releases all these like really bad nineties indie shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, did you ever see Latter Days about like? It was basically Cruel Intention, but with, like, a Mormon missionary who oh, was secretly geez. gay, and then, like, the super slutty, like, club boy who, like... It, yeah. I can imagine it already. <laughs> I, I can see it. There's Jagor in it as, like, one of the missionaries. Really? Yeah. He's in it for, like, two minutes or something. <laughs> I would, um... That is probably a movie I would have seen as, like, the trailer for it on some other shitty movie that yeah. I've rented, and was like, oh, man, I've got to see that. <laughs> but, uh... But because, like, I watched it, I'm like, this is just Cruel Intentions with gay people. Like, that, like when watching Bad Education, I was like, I don't think you could make this with, like, straight, like, a straight storyline out of no. it. No. Uh, like, I mean, you could, but I, it wouldn't have the same, like, feel or flow or, or anything to it. So <laughs> yeah, that kind of stuck out as, like, this kind of has to be about, like, gay people. Sure. Um, and that's always just kind of stuck with me that, like... It has to be that way. Like, yeah. Um, do you ever think about it the other way? Like, if it's a straight romance or something, do you ever think, like, oh, could this be made with gay people? Yeah, and usually it's yes. Yeah. Because uh, it doesn't matter, right? Like, yeah. I mean, I mean, there is sort of... We've like had a, to insert uh, ourselves into that narrative every time anyway. Yeah. So. Uh, I mean, most of, like, straight ones, like, gender doesn't play too much of a role unless it's just, like a woman being, like, traditionally, like, submissive and, like, the man is seducing her. Like, yeah. There's sort of traditional gender roles in that, but, yeah. And sometimes they get flipped, but that's... And about... that's when it gets kooky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but... Uh... Valerie's mannish. <laughs> Kurt's effeminate. <laughs> I would love to watch Put that. Put them together. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever thought of a career of redubbing rom-com trailers? <laughs> just, like, you don't even have to, like, change the wording. You can just do it in that voice. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Why not? And then, I think if you release them just with that voice, people will think that it's, like, a farce or, like, a, a spoof of a rom-com. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever watch... I always think of uh, that episode of South Park where they keep making fun of Rob Schneider... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Rob Schneider is the stapler. <laughs> well, it wasn't the last one. It was just like, Rob Schneider, derp to derp yeah. derp. Yeah. What's he been up to? Ooh, I don't really... Uh, Actually, no. No one answer that. I like how we're recording this. This is our first podcast after uh, Debbie Reynolds has passed away. That's right. And we're watching a movie called Mother, but not the movie called Mother that she's in. <laughs> yeah, good point. So... Huh. Sorry, Debbie. And for the record, in case this comes out so far, far removed from that time, it's sort of bonkers that Carrie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds I died know. within like 36 hours of one another. I keep reading this, the thing, and it's total clickbait, so I haven't done it, but it's like, son of Debbie Reynolds said that her dying words were, I just want to be with Carrie. Just <laughs> like, I don't know, maybe, but still, oh man. See, I, I feel like, you know... If, there, if there's, like, a heaven scenario, I feel like they, they met in heaven, hugged, and then Carrie Fisher accused Debbie Reynolds of being a scene-stealing bitch. <laughs> and then they hugged again. Like, that's... What Sounds I, about right. Yeah. Uh, this whole, like, the, the memoriam stuff uh, for those two made me realize that I've never seen Singing in the Rain. Oh, really? Yeah. That's yeah, pretty good. It's like... I, I have... 
a lot of people with musicals they complain like oh why do these people suddenly break out into song and like blah 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 that's not my problem I'm like there's not enough songs in these because <laughs> like too a, much talking a lot of these a lot of those like classic like MGM musicals are pretty long like yeah. oh, two two and a half hours and like it, when they're not singing or dancing like I just don't care about the movie yeah so but the talking's just to get to the next musical yeah I, I fear though like I haven't seen Les Mis but that's like what, what was the, the review of it it's 20 years filmed in real time. <laughs> and that's one where, like, there is no talking. It's like... Yeah, I didn't make it all the way through. I've never seen it. Like, that's... I, uh... First of all, that musical really dies down after the, the first act. Okay. It really starts to just be a slog. Okay. Um, And I forgot that until I started watching the movie. I, I turned it off. I couldn't even do it. And I don't, you know, I'm a bitter ender. Yeah. I finished stuff and I couldn't. Oh, so I was okay. just like, I need, I forgot how boring this musical gets and this movie is not doing it any favors. <laughs> yeah. So, bye. <laughs> do they dance? Are there like choreographed numbers? Kinda, yeah. It's, it's really awkward, honestly. I mean, that's one of the benefits of like those old MGM musicals is like they're, they're not all singing. They're not all dancing. It's like you got yeah. one and then you go into the other and. Yeah. You know, usually the people back then were pretty good at both. Yeah. So. I do feel that Anne Hathaway's song, the number, whatever, is really good. It's ba- You can turn it off after that. Better which... or worse than Susan Boyle's rendition. <laughs> Did uh, I ever tell you about my, my idea for a reality show with, with Susan Boyle? No, go for it. So, this was, remember, like, Shot at Love with, like, Tila Tequila? Oh, yeah. Um, and then, like, Rock of Love with What's-His-Face from Motley Crue. Uh-huh. Uh, so, like, after, like, Susan Boyle, like, made it big and released her first album, like, she said that, like, her goal, like, her her, her new goal was to, like, find a husband. Uh-huh. Uh, so I thought that they should have a reality show, uh, sort of a Bachelor-style reality show with Susan Boyle. And uh-huh. call it Boyle of Love. <laughs> <laughs> Can we combine it with, like, a... In America's Got Talent situation, where she's the she's judge, the but then she also gets to go on a date with them. She gives them some wilted tulip <laughs> to make it to the next round. It's brown, <laughs> with petals falling off. This is for you! Your sword-swallowing act was thrilling! I'd love to go to dinner with you! <laughs> But the dinner is still a talent show. Yeah. <laughs> he has to do his sword swallowing act. <laughs> That's the twist. Wow, we should be reality show producers. This is going to be awesome. You can narrate every every episode commercial. <laughs> Susan Boyle is a lonely songstress. <laughs> yeah, I can see this. <laughs> Copyright X rated movie, <laughs> 2017. <laughs> Called it. Yeah, I was gonna say you better watch out. We're not litigious yet, but <laughs> just give us a reason. Uh, okay, we have to do the intro. Because oh yeah, I keep forgetting to do it. Well, uh, you have the record scratch sound effect, so we can always just make up for lost time. Um. I'm Matt Fisher. I'm Ryan Whedon. And this is, is X-Rated, okay. uh, a movie podcast by two guys who dated for three weeks, ten years ago, uh, and now we chew the fat on, on film. 
So mm-hmm. to the cellular. Cellular. Yeah. That's what I was thinking too. Um. Mm. Well, gamey. <laughs> So would you like to introduce this week's film? I would. Um, Before I get into it, though, I would like to make... Two disclaimers to the analysis portion today. Okay. Um, number one, I don't speak Korean. Okay, yeah. And if I totally butcher a name, I apologize ahead of, ahead of time. It's probably going to happen. Uh, and I'm going to try and avoid names as much as possible so I don't butcher them. Sure. Um, but anyway, apologies for people who do speak Korean. I'm not trying to be offensive if I fuck it up. Um, second... This movie is, uh, I mean, it goes without saying that the analysis part is, like, spoiler-laden. Yeah, I was thinking that, too. This movie is all about reveals, I feel like, as you move through it. So, if you haven't seen it, and you don't want to be, and you want to enjoy it fresh, you know, in your mind, just stop now. Yeah, I was going to say, you got to have that, that spoiler horn ready. Yeah. <laughs> because I, it's just, I, I don't know how to talk about this movie. We're not going to be able to. Yeah, just a little bit. This whole analysis section is going to be a spoiler for this movie. But so just a heads up, because it is, I feel like part of the joy of this movie is like the unfolding of it. Yeah. Um, uh, so this is my second time seeing it. I don't mm-hmm. know how many times you've seen it. This is it. my third. Okay. I think I liked it better this time knowing the mystery or knowing how it ends. Yeah. Because uh, I think it it lets me focus on the development of the characters like mm-hmm. i think before it was just like i was just trying to keep track of what was happening keep up yeah and watching it this time i kind of see like the evolution of the mother a little more clearly mm-hmm. um who doesn't have a name by the way did oh, you notice okay. that she's just mother okay well that's good i noticed that this is third time and i this is the first time i noticed that so uh say? the biggest thing that i noticed this time around is so when I watched this initially, it was, I don't know, six, seven years ago. Okay. Shortly after it was released. I didn't see it in theaters, but, um, and I remember, like, the son being sort of a doofus. Yeah. But, like, watching this time, I'm like, this son's, like, a shitbag. Like, <laughs> this is some, some... He's got some problems. This is some grade A douchebaggery here. <laughs> um, I need to stop saying, um, it's a comfort word. Oh, sorry. I try to edit them out anyway. Okay. But now that you've said that, I'm going to add extras. <laughs> um, 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 uh, um, 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 Yeah, I just, his, his like, yeah, his douchebaggery was, like, really prominent to me this time around. And it, it wasn't as before, before, when I first watched it. I just thought he was sort of slow and dim-witted or a mama's boy, which he still is. He's all those things, yeah. But this time around, I'm like, he's really just kind of willfully a shitbag. Yeah. Like, he... He, he kind of assumes that defiant teenager role a little bit. And he, he seems perfectly happy to just, like, wallow in his own idiocy. Mm-hmm. Like, even after he's arrested, even once he's, like, captured... 
or not captured, but yeah, once he's like arrested and in jail, yeah. he doesn't seem that intent on bettering his situation. Mm-hmm. Like he's just gonna let his mom do all the work. You know, he signs a confession. He's just like, I don't know. They put it in front of me. I just signed it. Yeah, I think there was. They addressed that a little bit in where he's like, there's a, a point where he's. She says something like, you're such a good boy. And he's like, I can be a bad boy, too. <laughs> and so I think, like, he sort of latches on to that feeling of, like, I'm defiant. I'm an adult. Yeah. And then just sort of um, kind of goes with that feeling because I think that he can't remember very well because mm-hmm. he was fed poison, poison. or honk. Um, <laughs> but it almost speaks to the... Uh, main theme of this movie I think more so is that like he's a boy that only a mother could love you know oh, yeah that's true because that he's, he's not very likable he's not very likable and yet. she does all these things for him basically the beginning of the movie well a like the very beginning of like her dancing out in the field and mm-hmm. like watching it someone like you know you got an art film and it starts <laughs> out with old lady dancing out in an empty field yeah like, yep yeah. <laughs> This is, this is, we got art coming up. Settle here. in. <laughs> so, but beyond that, like, the, the first scene that, you know, takes place, like, within the story proper, mm-hmm. she's cutting something. I was going to talk about this scene, too. And there's a nice little layer. It's like, there's sort of the word that she's going to chop her finger because she's not paying attention to what she's chopping. Right. And then the son is, like, playing with the dog out in the street. And I didn't quite remember everything that happened in this first scene, so I was like, Oh god, did she chop her finger? Oh god, does that dog get hit? Oh god, does he get hit? So like I couldn't remember, but I like had all these like things like welling up. And then like the first scene happens, I'm like, okay. I was kind of right. <laughs> well that's I love that about this movie is that like that he ratchets up the tension like immediately, right? It's yeah. just like and there's nothing happening besides like her watching him and not watching as she's cutting. Mm-hmm. And so you get like really stressed out. Um, and then when he does get hit and she goes running after him mm-hmm. and there's like blood, mm-hmm. she's like, oh, you're bleeding. And then it turns out that she's bleeding. Mm-hmm. I think that sets up the whole idea of the movie, which is that, uh, you know, uncertainty. Basically, it's like, who's bleeding? We don't know. We don't know the story like, right off the bat. There's a point when she's dancing and part of me thinks that I'm like digging into something that was just randomly put there by chance. But there's a part when she's dancing at the very beginning where she covers her eyes and she smiles. Yeah. And then as she takes her hand away, she, like, goes to, like, sadness or grief. Right. And to me, like, I think that's sort of telling the audience that, like, she was willfully blind about some things. Right. And that she was sort of happier, like, pretending not to know. Yeah. I would... I I don't think you're digging in too far at all because this director, Bong Joon-ho, which I haven't said his name yet, Mm -hmm. uh... I noticed it especially this this time around is that like every shot is composed and intentional. So it's like, I feel like every little detail in his movies is intentional. So something like that is absolutely valid, I would say. Yeah. A lot of the times, like, I feel people looking at these little details in movies and like, it explains the whole film. (laughs) And usually I just think that that's like, borderline conspiracy theory but yeah. in this one instance i was like i kind of feel like mm-hmm. and he's setting thing. that up it's like he's just telling you from the start that like when she's got her eyes closed or like when she's forgetting which is mm-hmm. also a big theme of this movie forgetting yeah, remembering definitely. like 
she's got her eyes closed to something, she can be happy. But mm-hmm. if she takes her eyes or her hand away and sees again, you know, she's obviously yeah, that's sad. True. Yeah, memory does play a big role because like not only does the sun forget, but like she keeps touting that like acupuncture method, right? Getting like the meridian in your thigh, right? Which makes me wonder if she has done it on him. To make him oh. forget that incident, and also herself, yeah, to like forget uh, the like suicide murder situation that she almost did to her son, yeah, yeah. Um, but we don't know. It's true. <laughs> there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of we don't know as you go through this movie, which is I think what is one of the things that is kind of exciting about it. Yeah, the uh, the director really kind of keeps us at arm's length away from the mother. Mm-hmm. like we know her wants like we know her desires and we can see how she's like going about getting what she wants and like what's stopping her but we really don't know what's going on in her head for the most part yeah like we know her like base instincts and like her her main driving motives but that of a mother yes wanting to help her son yes but that's sort of where it stops. Like, we don't know the complex thinking. We don't necessarily know is she kind, is she giving, is she gentle, is she blah, 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 blah. Right. You know? And, yeah, we're, we're sort of kept at arm's length. And I think it's because of that. Like, we're not supposed to know what she's capable of. Right. In a way. I mean, we get a hint, like, halfway into the movie when it's revealed that, like, when times were tough, she tried to kill herself and her son. Right. But that's sort of, like, the first... And we get a little bit of other things, like, she's willing to, like, break into the one guy's house when she was looking for the golf club. Yeah. <laughs> um, and... Did you know she took off her shoes in that scene? Yes. <laughs> so I didn't notice it, but I was watching it with someone, and he said, he's like, don't they notice the straight pair of shoes in the house? <laughs> and right as he said that, the, uh, the it doesn't pan, but it, it cuts to her feet. Oh, yeah. It's like the two had just had sex and were like falling asleep, uh-huh. and it cuts to her feet sort of Curled like her, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, her her shoeless feet. Yeah, and yeah, if if there's ever a director that could make spilt water look tense, <laughs> it would be in if, that scene. There you go. Yeah, but so yeah, that, that's like the first thing is that like she's willing to like you know break into someone's home to mm-hmm. try and help her son, and then like once she starts like going into like back alleys and like finding shady characters, right? Who who might be able to shed some light it's like we get another glimpse of like she doesn't have a problem going into these cd underbelly worlds mm-hmm. but I, you're right it's something i didn't think about until now but you don't really you don't really get a feel for her other than like a mother who loves her son so much that she'll do anything to get him out of this scrape which mm-hmm. is like all she ever does apparently seemingly <laughs> yeah. um and uh it's interesting because i i watched a thing that talked about how how she's filmed yeah and it's a lot of times in profile or obscured um by like a glass pane or like there's like some just things in front of her face a lot of times and i mm-hmm. think that that also serves to kind of make you feel uneasy about her or distant like yeah there's a barrier between or you're not getting the whole yeah there's a couple times another technique i noticed was that he would film her in like in profile mm-hmm. and then she'd turn her face really fast and you'd see the other one like okay. in, in the camera um so you'd see a glimpse of it but then she'd look away or it would, she'd turn around and you'd get the back of her head and, and i mean that sort of plays into to like because usually when you're trying to to connect with a character it's like you're supposed to like look into their faces you mm-hmm. know like 
Jonathan Demi always does like close ups of people's faces and it like lets you sympathize with, you know, Clary Starling or Hannibal right. Lecter and stuff like that. Like it kinda like gives you like, you know, you get a good clear picture of the eyes and the facial expression. Mm-hmm. And so like doing it all in profile, like you're never really like making direct contact with the mother. Right. So yeah, that that probably plays into it. Uh Bong Jun Ho. Yeah. That, yeah. Probably did that on purpose. Like, yeah, she's always sort of, sort of askew or, you know, looking away from the camera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. I feel like there's only there was only one moment that I noticed where she's looking like directly on and it's when she's um she's doing her detective work part in the okay. second story and they're like have those uh seedy kind of guys in the amusement park mm-hmm. rides mm-hmm. and then the one guy beats the guy up and his tooth falls out and he's, you know, crying and then she comes in and lights her cigarette and it's just like a straight on shot of her looking at the camera. Oh, okay. And she looks like menacing almost. Sure. Um it's a weird. It's a weird way to first get your, you know, a full on face of the character. You know. Yeah. I, well, that's sort of a turning point in the movie too, because that's like when she's like really cross and like so she so she breaks into someone's home and gets to the golf club. Right. But that's not. I mean, it's definitely illegal and you know immoral, but it's not like so far like beyond that. Like she's an irredeemable character. But right. Like, now she's like sort of arranged like a beating on someone. That's a good point. Um, and yes, now it's like, she's reached like a different echelon in like what she's going to do to like protect her son. Yeah. Now it's no longer just snooping around. It's like, she's willing to, uh, compromise like the safety or, or of others. Yeah. Uh, in order to protect her son. Yeah. And I mean, that, that's sort of another thing is like, you were saying like the son is like, you know, only a mother could love. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that's another issue, issue that, like, kind of keeps the audience separated. Is like, we sympathize with her because we know, like, what motherly love is supposed to look like. Yeah. But we don't feel it for the son the way that she does. Right. That's another distancing yeah. technique in that you can abstractly understand what she's doing and why she's acting this way. But you don't feel the same way yourself for him specifically. Yeah, because, I mean, to the audience like he just kind of seems like a prick teenager dopey he's really dopey (laughs) i mean just right at the beginning when they like chase down the mercedes yeah and his you know d-bag friend like kicks the window on the mercedes (laughs) and then he tries and fails once they get caught like the friend pins it on him and he's just like oh i did like why would i do that (laughs) yeah like he doesn't even remember that he didn't do it right to some comic effect later (laughs) yeah he uh He's dopey, but he also plays a role in the movement of the plot in the way that with his forgetting remembering. Okay. Um, and it's like, it's necessary for him to be forgetful for things to move, yeah. you know, move forward, I think. So it's also a device in a way, which I guess doesn't bother me. Okay. No. Um, I don't have this in a full thought. <laughs> <laughs> going back to like her covering her face, mm-hmm. like while dancing, you kind of see her like turning a blind eye to some of his shitty behavior throughout the movie. Like there's a scene where he's peeing on the street, right? And she's feeding him soup, right? Like it doesn't even bother her that he's just going into town on the street. She even like, covers it up afterwards for him. With yeah, yeah, she like so yeah, rubs it on it. And she gets mad that, like... So, like, the son's got a temper. Like, he's called retard. And I'm 
directly quoting the film yeah. uh, a couple times, and that always triggers Whenever his Whenever it does, it flips out, yeah. And you, when the mother gets mad at him, she gets mad at him for having a bad memory, not for his temper. That's true. Like, she gets mad at, like, you know, yeah, him not being able to remember, but she doesn't actually care about, like, his actions so much. Uh, yeah, like, he, he he's he gets pinned for, for kicking in the, the rearview mirror, the Mercedes, and she's mad that it costs so much to fix, but she doesn't actually reprimand him for damaging the car. She looks the other way, if you yeah, will. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a good point. So, what do you think the story behind the English words during the sex scene was? <laughs> you got but they were saying them in Korean, weren't they? No. Oh, I they're, guess... They're, they're saying, like, tiramisu, armadillo. <laughs> maybe they just feel that it's exotic. And, uh... See, I was thinking, like, maybe... You know how, like, in America, to, to like, make sure that, like, the show's not over too quickly, you're supposed to, like, think of baseball or cold showers or Mario oh. Thatcher? <laughs> maybe that, like, in Korea, practicing English during sex is, like, a way to, like, not come too quickly. Sure, yeah. Why not? <laughs> so, or, yeah. Keep you thinking about other things. Yeah. they start off with food, and then they move into more random. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it wasn't Korean. Maybe it was just I was reading the subtitles and, like, my mind just translated. I thought they were just saying it really funny, like, okay. but I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I was like, why are they doing that? <laughs> I don't know. I think because tiramisu is probably going to be the same in Korean as it is in English. Likely. It, well, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Our, our Korean listenership, please let us know <laughs> if tiramisu is different in Korea. <laughs> yes, if anybody does, please. Uh, she, so for uh, most of the film, I'd say like a good, I don't know, 80% of it, maybe okay. even more, she's wearing red. She's like in red. She's the only character in red okay. for most of the movie and most of the scenes. So there's a couple exceptions. But, um... I think that's sort of his way of saying, because this movie is full of red herrings, that Mother herself is a red herring. Okay. But we can't help but go along and follow her. Okay. Um, even though she, she's uh, she's wrong. She's like, because, you know, this whole time she's trying to prove that her son didn't do it. Yeah. And we're like, we're believing that that's what is the truth, you know, because yeah. we want to go along with it. But it turns out that like, oh, yeah, he totally did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and it's unclear as to whether or not he actually remembers it. Yeah. Like, he signs the confession, but then says he doesn't do it, or didn't do it. And then when they find someone else who fesses to it, mm -hmm. he doesn't seem guilt-ridden by it, like, or shocked. Yeah. Like, he, it's sort of, yeah, it's left ambiguous as to whether or not he actually knows that he did it or not. Mm -hmm. Do you think he knows... Anything about uh, his mother being at the junk man's place? Because he finds the needles. Yeah. But do you think he pieces any of that together? I think he does. Like, that, yeah. at least that's, like, how I inferred it there at the end. And but that's kind of him looking after her? I don't know. I think, like, he, he might, like, understand what happened. But I don't know if he understands, like, why it happened. So mm -hmm. maybe, like, he didn't, like, piece it together, like she cleaned up my mess, but, you know, he pieced it together that, like, he or she burnt down that place. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. Now that I'm thinking about it, 
I think it was just one of those things that like I took at face value. Mm-hmm. Uh, you talking about Red though? I was thinking about the movie and when she goes to like the junk guy's house. Yeah. And I was I so I think I was like oh, uh, the director really like decked out the movie and it it sounds like weird to say but like in very colorful earth tones. Right. Like it's mostly like kind of gray, black or dark blue, mm-hmm. um, browns and like not just like vibrant like browns or grays yeah. like really chalky colors uh and then like right as i was thinking this like she hits him with a wrench mm-hmm. and then she splashes herself after like a couple hits with like very bright red right like the blood that hits her face is like not a subdued red right um but even like the blood that you like you see coming out of his head is like blackened dark by the earth. yeah yeah uh, and I wonder, because th- in that scene, now I want to go back because she's wearing that purple dress that we see her in in the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if she's worn it before. And if that, like, basically that's a w- his way of, uh, you know, projecting that she's no longer the red herring. She's going to find the truth somehow. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, it could be like, it, it sort of bookends it with like this. She She's no longer a plot device. She's a person again or yeah. something like that. Yeah. I like, um, I also like, I really like the end scene of her on the bus. It is, like, it looks like a mess, like, if you look at it just in passing, but there's something about, like, sitting and watching the whole scene mm-hmm. that it, it's sort of just, like, a, a beautiful shot. Like, you can't really see, you can't even tell if you see her the whole time. Yeah, and that's that, that's the thing. I, I, I kind of interpret that as, like, she kind of disappears into the crowd and just becomes another mother basically because it's a parent's trip that they're going on and so it's like he's sort of saying wouldn't you do this as a parent kind of thing also what a party bus i know that looked like so much fun (laughs) like before like she she started dancing with them and i was just like the bus is driving and everyone's in the aisles dancing (laughs) i'm like what bus is this (laughs) i read and uh, sign me up (laughs) i read an interview with bong joon ho uh where he said that they they showed it, the movie, I think in New York or something, and there was a reporter from Turkey who commented on that and said, okay. like, this happens in Turkey, too. Like, <laughs> it's like, wow, we don't have these parent, first of all, these parent tours, thank yeah. you tours, whatever. I don't know, I that's don't know. news to me. But um, but then that just, like, it, it only happens in Turkey and Korea, <laughs> as far as we know. <laughs> Two pillars of culture on the world stage. <laughs> Uh, by the way, the song that's playing that they're dancing to was top notch, whatever (laughs) it was. (laughs) So can I introduce my, uh, remakes idea? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah, this is a new thing we want to try out here. Uh, so there's two things that sort of rattle around my head. We were talking about earlier with gay films and whether or not they could be transposed to be with straight people or straight characters. Mm -hmm. And, you know... With remakes, like, A, movies, especially nowadays, get remade all the time. Either, you know, what would this film be like if it was an American remake? Mm-hmm. Like, if you had to cast with American actors and actresses? I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> uh, but one thing that I've always kind of liked, and there's two things that sort of stem from it, is one is a joke from 30 Rock, when Liz Lemon said that she played John Proctor in a gender-blind production of The Crucible, <laughs> which that the play is about... The Salem Witch Trials. Gender's mildly important to that. 
She also played the young Nazi boy in Sound of Music. <laughs> uh, but the other thing is, I listened to an interview with Alec Baldwin once, where he was talking about, in his college days, they did a production of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, but they did a gender role reversal. Huh. And he was playing Nurse Ratchet. Oh, wow. And all the inmates were played by women. And after they were done with it, they were sort of, they were asked to describe how, like, the gender dynamics were different mm -hmm. versus how it was, like, in the film or if the film was initially a play to begin with. Uh, yeah, and how that, like, makes the story different at all just by having it be different genders. Yeah. Uh, so that's one thing, that, like, I was kind of thinking about with this movie is could you have it be the same movie? Could you have the same script if it was a father and a daughter? Oof. I don't think so. Yeah, like, I don't think so either. I think it has to be... Like, I don't even think it could be mother-daughter necessarily. Yeah, I don't uh, either. I think there's something a little bit, like, about the dynamic of, like, a mother being protective over her only son. Mm -hmm. uh, especially, like, a, an aloof son like that. Yeah. And she also uses her kind of frail femininity to her advantage. Like sure. when she's trying to get close to that girl who does the phone stuff, she's like, oh, that's so nice. Yeah. I yeah. like that on my phone. I mean, like, yeah. I can't imagine some old man pulling that off. Yeah, if, if it was a general role reversal, it'd almost be, just be like a Death Wish movie. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it's just, it's, it, even like a father-son movie, it couldn't be. Yeah, because she, she uses her gender to her advantage, I think, to like uh, put other people's guard down. Yeah, and there's nothing like the care of, like the feeling of responsibility that a mother has for their child, you know? I would yeah, say. what does Louis C.K. say about that? He's like, the best father on his best day can like give his son like 40%. 40%. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, and it's like, there are movies, like, in Death Wish, it's like, I think, if I remember correctly, the wife was murdered and then the daughter was raped. Okay. But I think the daughter survived in Death Wish, if memory serves. And then he goes on, like, Kelly's Street to, like, find the hoodlums that did, did it. Mm -hmm. but, I, but I think that also plays into it, too, is, like, you know, uh, Charles Bronson was masculine, so he just goes out and shoots people. While in Mother, like, she kind of has to, like, sleuth it out. Right. She has to use her cunning... Vixen like <laughs> which is fun it really it's funny how this movie doesn't start off that way but then it turns into this like detective story where yeah. kind of, it's like an Angela Lansbury situation it's like <laughs> Ooh, she's gonna she's gonna solve this crime <laughs> if I knew what murder was in Korean <laughs> I'd say that word followed by she wrote <laughs> uh, <laughs> she is sort of an Angela Lansbury type for a, for a little bit there. So in my modern American remake, Angela Lansbury. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Actually, that seems about right. I mean, Angela Lansbury is like ninety-eight. Oh, now, but, dang. Uh, I I even think like some of our our classic matrons like Maggie Smith were too old for this role. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, apparently this actress. Uh, I didn't write her name down. She's really famous uh, okay. as playing mothers. Oh, uh, okay. Like. Uh, impeccable mothers on Korean TV. Oh yeah, and so this is a Korea real... has a lot of television dramas. Yeah, and apparently she's she's known for that. And he, uh, Bong Joon Ho, wrote the script with her, this actress okay. in mind. Um, and it's like a super gritty turn for her. She's like you know bloody and in the mud and stuff. And that was never the thing 
on TV, and it revitalized her career. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah. So, yeah, I think in my modern American remake, I'll stick with Angela Lansbury, and then the son will be played by Don Hall Gleason. <laughs> Oh, the murderer is a redhead. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> uh, yeah, who who would be great? Um, I mean, that's sort of one of the problems with like a lot of like American movies is like you have to be able to play like you know uh, jilted prom dates and like sorority girls until like you get too old for that, and then you have to play the old slut. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, there's really no in between. Like, whatever happened to Michelle Pfeiffer? She's just gone. Yeah, she could do this role. Yeah, I, it, she probably could. She could probably still fit into that Catwoman outfit. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, I could see her playing that. Yeah, I could. A little, Getting little, a little wild. A little Pfeiff, yeah. Maybe like uh, um, Jessica Lange, perhaps. Yeah. Could, yeah. Could, get this, could pull this off. Sure. Uh, and then, for, I mean, it's easy to pick, like, young actors. Like, there's a million oh, young yeah. actors. But, you know, it had to be someone who looks still kind of... Dopey? Do- yeah, <laughs> just a little doughy. Um, so, you know, Paul Dano. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or that guy, um, he was in Son of Rambo, and then he went on to do a few more things. Son of Rambo. Oh, God. Oh! He's been in a few things. Yeah, when you said Son of Rambo, I thought it was one of the actual Rambo movies, but now I know what yeah, you're yeah. talking about. Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't know if he went on to do anything else. Yeah, he's he's actually like starting. He's like an up and comer now. Oh, one okay. moment. Will Poulter is his name. Oh, and he's been in. Oh, I don't want to tell you what I've seen him in. Now. Ooh. All right. How gay and how naked was he? <laughs> Look. All right. I may as well just get this out of the way. <laughs> I've been watching the Maze Runner movies. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, those movies are just jailbait. Oh, they're garbage. They're just terrible. That's what, it's the thing that made me like really start questioning. I watched the second one, and the whole time through, it's like so Sports stupid. Sports Trials. Yeah, it's just dumb. Which sounds like stains in your underwear. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> it, uh, um, the whole time, th- I mean, the thing is, it's not good, but, um, by the end of it, I was like, I wonder what I hate more in movies, dialogue tropes or plot tropes, because that mm. movie had both, and it was, I guess that's the biggest thing I've taken from these. <laughs> Look, I I liked The Hunger Games. Did you really? Well, I read the books, so. <laughs> and believe me, the movies are better than the books. Oh, no. Yeah, I know. So much shaky cam in those movies. <laughs> Especially the the second and third one. But um, anyway, so I just decided I wanted to watch, you know, hot young dudes running around. What's yeah, wrong with that? which is what Maze Runner is. Yeah, yeah, that's about it. Did we cover everything? I actually took very little notes on this movie because I, while watching it, I didn't want to, like, look away to write notes. Yeah. And I didn't want to keep pausing it every time I had a note to write. So I was like... You know, I'm watching this three hours before I'm recording the damn podcast. Like, just it's run fresh. it through your head. <laughs> like, just keep a mental list of things. Um, no, I guess there's not much else I wanted to say. Oh, I just, at the end of the very first scene that we were talking about earlier, that great 
one with the car accident. Yeah. Um, just the sound design while she's chopping mm, mm-hmm. is really good. And I noticed the sound design is pretty good throughout the movie mm-hmm. where it's like crispy and unsettling and just loud. and Like how I like my chicken. <laughs> crispy and unsettling? <laughs> hmm. They have a special bucket for that at KFC. <laughs> Extra unsettling. Does it like... <laughs> It's Move. Just, I was going to say, you, you open the buck and the live chicken comes out. <laughs> That's on Subway. <laughs> so, next week... Oh, yeah. We've... Is our 10th episode. 10! Ten. 10! Ten. The big X <laughs> for X rated. Hey, yeah! <laughs> uh, so we're gonna do something special. We got we got a little surprise. It's a double, double, double feature. Feature. This is where you have, like, bells whistling. Oh, yeah, I've got... I've already been thinking about it. Okay. <laughs> um, I think we're gonna be doing... What is to me the most logical of all double features? <laughs> Batman Forever mm-hmm. and Batman and Robin. We're gonna have a little Schumacher talking. <laughs> we've been wanting, we've been kind of toying with the idea of talking about Joel Schumacher here, and we just decided let's get two movies and also the Batman franchise. Why not? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's been a while since I've seen those. Like, I see Batman Returns probably more than a normal adult should see it. <laughs> Uh, probably like once a year, once every two years, something like that. I think it's superior to the first one. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's also so adult. That movie is <laughs> so adult. Yeah. He, like, makes all these sexual innuendo. Like, he's gonna show Jan Hooks his French flipper trick. <laughs> Go on. Oh, was, like, it's, it's that, for like, think of a major... A superhero sequel today. So you got your Thor 2s, your Amazing Spider-Man 2s, mm-hmm. your Iron Man 2s. How sexual are those movies? <laughs> yeah, Do any point. of them involve women in like very obvious S&M gear? <laughs> like Catwoman is a femdom. It like, was the 90s. <laughs> I, I, what was that movie rated? Now I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, PG-13 I would imagine. Yeah, that sounds right, but man... But it's like, can you imagine a movie studio bankrolling, like, this cosplaying fetishist film and, like, and unleashing it to an eager public? Like, it was a hotly anticipated movie. Yeah, and I think it was a huge success. Wow, it was PG-13. Yeah. Wow. Like, if you, like, count the number of, like, adult jokes. I saw that movie in theaters... The movie came out in like 92, 93? 91 it says there. Oh, 91? Mm-hmm. So I was six. <laughs> and you saw it? Yeah, I saw it in theaters. Wow. Yeah. Clear. Like, your parents are not worry about the rating. Now we know why. <laughs> I'm like, I the way I am. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, yeah, it's it's just crazy uber sexual. Huh, yeah. And it's not even just like regular sexual it's yeah, like she like licks his sexual. face and yeah. stuff wow i forgot yeah i haven't i guess i haven't seen it in a while but now that i'm thinking about it yeah like it's like deviant perverted sexuality it's just tim burton is like this is what i like here we go 
Maybe, I mean, he was pretty successful at that point, right? So Yeah, that was, like, the height of his success. They must have been, like... It was also, like, the height of, like, his creative powers. Like, he was making good movies at that time. Oh, you're right, 92. I'm sorry, by the way. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's, like, after Edward Scissorhands, which was 91, I think. Okay. 91. Yeah. Whoa. I don't know. I'm not sure about that now. But it's, like, in that time period, you got Batman on the Trends, you got Edward Scissorhands, you got Ed Wood, which is also a great movie. Yeah. Like, he was, like, trying them out, and, like, they were quality films. Yeah. And... Joel Schumacher got the ball. Yeah, we need to look into... The, oh, I, that was something I wanted to mention uh, when we did the Exorcist movie, mm. but I didn't get around to it, was that when Tim Burton was attached to the third Batman movie, mm-hmm. um, they were going to have the Scarecrow be a villain, and Brad Dourif was going to play oh, the Scarecrow. That would have been so good. I know. Can you imagine? That would have been so good. Uh... But yeah, Joel Schumacher, I don't know. We'll see. We'll I mean, see. There were a couple, I was surprised to see that he directed in the er, those like early 90s, after the Lost Boys fame, that I was like, oh, that's actually a big deal. Yeah, some of, like, he, he seems to veer be- between, like, sort of attempting critically acclaimed movies. <laughs> that's kind of you. <laughs> and then just, like, crazy schlock. Yeah. Like, Time to Kill is, like, John Grisham courtroom drama. Right, okay, yeah, that's one. Oh, and he did, like, Lorenzo's Oil. Or, no, The the Client. The Client, yeah. Which was, like... Yeah, another, that was, like, another John Grisham adaptation. Oh, was it? I think so. And I remember that being a decent movie. I, I don't think I've ever seen that one. Although I was a child then. <laughs> Time to Kill has Samuel L. Jackson saying, uh, yes, I think they deserve to die, and I hope they burn in hell. Like, that's where that's <laughs> Ooh. from. Ooh. So. All right. I mean, he's he's obviously a, a topic we can talk about. Yeah, for a long period of time. I'm not watching all these movies for fun. Like this is work. <laughs> we're we're gonna go. We're doing this for you, audience. <laughs> uh, I mean, granted, we'll take copious notes on the two Batman movies, but we will be touching upon other Schumacher gems. Indeed, indeed. Because yeah, boy, his movies are not good. But he, I, the nice thing about like him being gay is like he does kind of like cram his movies full of like pretty boys that's true so i want to get i I mean here's a preview for you (laughs) batman forever um contributed to my sexual awakening really (laughs) oh my god to be continued to be continued (laughs) let's uh do you want to plug our junk and close this thing out we do need to do some junk plugging we haven't done that in a while (laughs) no uh well we're on twitter at X-Rated Movies. And we're on Facebook at Rated, Rated X, X Movies. And we also have an email, which I keep forgetting to say. Which is x.rated.movies at gmail.com. There you go. But, uh, yeah, so follow us, like us. It'll be yeah. nice. Next week we have a double, double, double feature. Feature. So, that should be fun. <laughs> yeah. We're going to camp it up. And bye. <laughs> bye. Bye. <laughs>